Be seated. Uh, open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 1. Um, just a few things. I apologize that the air conditioner isn't finished. Pray for me tomorrow morning when I talk to these people about why this air conditioner isn't finished. Um, when I pay $30,000 for something, I expect something to be finished. And, um, but it is warm, but um, we'll be fine. Um, we'll probably not die. Um, at second, could somebody explain to me why when I knock on the door, the word is K-N-O-C-K, or when I'm talking about my knee, it's K-N-E-E, and yet we're going to a park next week called Knobles. What gives them the right to make me use K at the beginning of their name? I, I've always wondered that. You know, I've never been there, but they said we're going to Knobles, and I heard people, I thought maybe the people were a little slow or something. You know, the, it's Nobles, isn't it? No, it's Knobles. Okay. All right. Just thought I'd ask that question. It really has nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to make some statements this morning that may frustrate a few, um, and if you know me, that really doesn't bother my heart all that much, um, because I'm a leader, and I'm a man of God, and it's my job to tell the truth, and I, for the last 20 years or so, have been very frustrated with what we call the church. Um, Jesus Christ developed the church while he was here through the men he called disciples. Um, if you are a Christian, then you are a disciple. Somebody say amen. Um, and if you are a disciple, then you are a disciple maker. Is anybody with me? Anybody want to argue that point? Anybody want to debate? You know, because I just feel like the church has become this place. I, in the last 20 years or so, um, I've been trying to find my footing in, in what we call the church. And I, I, everywhere I've been to interview for churches or, you know, and they all want me to come because they all like what I say. And even here, when I came here, everybody said, we want to be a disciple-making church. We want to be an evangelistic church. We want to be an outreach church. And, and I think they really do want to be. It's just, you have to understand stuff, folks, something, folks. If we're going to be an outreach and disciple-making church, things have to change. And, and that's when people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We called you here to make us an evangelistic, disciple-making church, but we don't want nothing to change. Seriously? And can I say something? About 99.9% of the people around me that call themselves Christians have never made a disciple. I know people who have been in the church for 50 years, 100 years, have never made one disciple. 
Yet after, right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says, listen, all the authority and power in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'll say it again. All the authority and power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, that's the tie between us and that authority and that power. Is everybody with me? I know it's hot. Sit up. Some of you are using fans. Everybody needs a fan. Somebody hand out fans. You know, in old black churches, boy, they, they had the fans, didn't they? And women could do them fans now. <laughs> you know? And it was like air conditioning in the place, you know? But you got to hear this, guys. He doesn't say, go to church. He says, go make disciples. Folks, what's going on? I was with uh, one of the heads of the American Bible Society, which is a worldwide, multi-million dollar thing, and 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 a Presbyterian pastor a few months ago, and they both said the same thing. Johnny, we hear what you're saying, but nobody's doing it. You know, and I remember growing up, they throw us in a Sunday school class. That was cute, you know. And the adult Sunday school classes mostly became gossip sessions. But, you know, it's a thing where that didn't make disciples. It didn't make disciples. I think when it started, it was about training children, and then it became something to biblically train adults. But it kind of went and morphed into something weird. That didn't make disciples, kids. And let me help you with something. Having a discipleship class doesn't make disciples. Guys, you have to understand something. Now, I'm going to go worldwide, and then I'm going to bring it home. Our country is a nutcase. Our federal government is a nut farm. All of them. not Not the Republicans. The Republicans. Not the Democrats. Fruit farm. You, you heard it, baby. Thank you. She's fine. She's right. Hopefully you grow up and be president. And don't just blame it on one guy. Everybody, oh, it's Donald Trump. It was a fruit farm before Donald Trump. He just made it a little fruitier. Hear what I'm saying, guys. Then there's Harrisburg. This week... While I'm away, I'm, re- I'm just reading the surface stuff on the Reading Eagle. And the mayor downtown is fighting with the city council. And they won't speak to each other. Would somebody hold them while I spank them? And I'm serious. I could probably spank them on my own, but... Seriously. Folks, the problem, though, is not the federal government. The problem, though, is not the state government. The problem, though, is not that city council and the mayor are acting like two-year-olds in a sandbox and can't speak to each other. The problem is us. 
We go to church. Whoop dee. Seriously. People are like, well, I go to church. Anybody know my answer to that? So does the devil. Well, I give money. So does the devil. Believe me, I've had people on my boards before, and they were the devil. They didn't like me, and honestly, I like them all that much either. Oh, you're not supposed to say that. No, no, no. I still loved them. I'll die for them. I like them. You're with me? Go make disciples. Go up the verse right before 18. I want you to see something. We're going to keep reading this verse every Sunday till we get it. Huh? Chapter 28, I'm sorry. Matthew 28. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Keep your finger in Matthew 1, though. That's our, that's our actual chapter. I'm sorry. You have to understand how I think. Nobody actually does, because I don't even understand how I think. But look at verse 16 of what we read at the beginning. They worship God. Verse 16 or 17, which I can't remember. But some doubted. Now, I want you to hear that. Because you know why people doubted? Because Jesus works in and through human beings. And let me help you with something. I don't care how great a Christian you think you are, there are going to come times when there are some doubts. Don't you let the devil tell, oh, you're not a good Christian because you doubt. Even the original disciples doubted. Stop it. Stop it. Now you move into the authority thing, you move into the power thing, and you go make disciples. You don't go build churches, you don't go fill auditoriums, you make disciples. A couple of years ago, a man named Bill Hybels, who was kind of the, the original um, guru of the mega church movement, okay, out of a place called Willow Creek, and he said... And what they did was, was intelligent. What they went, did was they went out into the neighborhoods. And they found out what people were looking for at a church. And they made a church that fit, fit that bill. And, and honestly, guys, they drew 20, 25,000 people to their church. About 25 years after he started this church, Bill gets up and says, listen, I want you to understand something. We did the first part of what we were going to do. He drew the crowd. I mean, 20, 25,000 people, that's not bad. You know, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of prestige. That's a lot of power. (laughs) We don't want to talk about Bill right now if you know that story. But he said, folks, we didn't do the second part of what we were going to do. And the second part of what we were going to do was we were going to make disciples and disciple makers and we never did it you don't know how I just want to start a new church because we've been talking about this discipleship stuff for the whole 10 years I've been here 
And I'm not so sure we want to do it. Are you listening to me? I don't know how many actually want to do it. Because there's a little bit of difference between talking about it and doing it. And I want to talk to you about the doubt thing. If you think you can't, that's okay. Because even the original disciples thought they could. Are you with me? But by the, by the power of God, the authority of God, they went out to make disciples and they changed the world. Ten of them. Ten of them. Ten of them. I want you to hear that. In all seriousness, the only hope our country has, the only hope our, uh, our state has, the only hope our city has, the only hope Muhlenberg has, they're doing seances down in the city hall, Jack. The only hope we've got is for the people of God to tap into the authority and power of God and go make disciples. Notice it doesn't say, come to our Sunday school class. It says the men and women of God are to go make disciples. In other words, you're supposed to be doing it in your neighborhood. You're supposed to be doing it at work. You know, you're supposed to be doing it wherever God brings someone into your life that you can lead to his love. Are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? And see, each person who calls themselves Christians are called to do this. Everybody. Everybody. Everyone. I'll give you a couple of years. Okay, when you first get saved, you're trying to get your sea legs and you're trying to kind of find your way and trying to figure out all the stuff in the the Bible and you, you turn back to some of the stuff in the Old Testament and you think, oh my goodness. And you're trying to figure this whole thing out. I, I'll give you a year or two. But I'm sorry, friends. If you're into this for 40, 50 years and you're not mentoring anybody in the Lord, what are you doing? If you're in this thing for five years and you're not mentoring anyone in the Lord, what are you doing? How do we keep doing this music preaching thing and nobody's leaving this place and mentoring someone in Christ? Now, let me get to my real sermon in Matthew 1. I want to tell you what discipleship really is, okay? And this is so important for you you to really understand and and to really get because it's it's not rocket science, Okay, it's not that hard. It's not something that anyone here can't do. Okay, we don't have time today to read this whole chapter. But when you go home, I want you to go home and I want you to read the first 16 verses of Matthew chapter 1. I get the biggest kick out of it because everybody wants to blame everything in their life and what they are and who they are on their lineage, their parents, their aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff. Jesus put 
Matthew 1, 1 to 16 in the Bible to show you that your family is no more a nut farm than his. I mean, he comes from a line of deceivers, liars, prostitutes, adulterers, murderers, and pretty much whatever er you can put in there. No, I'm serious. Look at it. Look it up. Look these people up. You know, it's time for us to say, you know what? My mama or dad or aunt and uncle or whoever was this I'm not going to be that. I'm breaking that cycle. I'm going to be the man or woman I was created to be. Are you hearing me? You know, I, I, I mean, and, and the church has become so soft, and we're so compassionate, and we're so sympathetic, and oh, we understand. Stop. Stop. Quit doing that to yourself. If your mama was a nut, doesn't mean you got to be a nut. If your father was a whatever, doesn't mean you got to be that. Supposedly, if you're a Christian, you've got the grace and power and holiness of Jesus Christ in you. Why are you following that same foolishness? I'm getting to the point, I'm going to talk about salvation later in the month. I'm getting to the point, I'm so tired of everybody in the church. Oh, well, we're just broken. (laughs) My question is, so what did the cross and salvation do? Didn't it fix nothing? Oh, I'm so broken. Well, fix it. You know, uh, oh, come on. You're supposed to tell me that I'm okay. If you're broken, get fixed. Seriously. Is it any wonder everybody looks at the church and goes, why would I want to be a part of that? They're as crazy as I am. Seriously. But Jesus comes from this. I, I never forget, I, I, I do a thing called a life plan. And, and, and the guy who did my original life plan, one of the things you do is you lay out all the major events and stuff that has happened to you and in your family and all the stuff that can really impact you and affect you. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, you know, here I am, a little white guy who's been in the church all my life and, you know, never had a beer, never this, never that, you know, and oh my goodness, how Christian is he? When we got done, he was going, really? 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 You see, I come from a crazy nut farm too. Everybody in my whole family's depressed. Anybody else? No, I'm serious. You know, we've done this, we've done that. We've got, we got people in jail. We've got, you know, I mean, come on now. Jesus put this in there to help you to understand. Your family's no crazier than his. Seriously. There ain't nothing that's happened to you that didn't happen to him and his family. Amen? Then, I love this part. Then, his little mama, a little virgin girl, 14, 15 years old, comes up pregnant. Now, can you imagine this poor little girl going to her fiancé and sitting down with his parents and the pastor? 
and saying, well, you have to understand, the father of this baby is God. They have medicine for that. You know, I'm trying to put this in a real context, guys. I'm I'm trying to help you to understand that, wow, Jesus didn't exactly come into this world in a pure, pristine, orderly, kingly fashion. I mean, wow. You know? And his father was ready to put his mother away so they could hide this whole thing and... And, and this and that was happening. And you got to remember, back in those days, when that kind of thing happened, they stoned you to death. This is a big deal. Then she goes to have Jesus, the creator king of the universe. They're, they have to go to the IRS office in their area. They get there, and there's no place to stay. Think about that. And so the creator king of the universe ends up being born in a barn. I hear so many people, you don't understand my life. My life was lowly. I came into this world. We were poor. We had nothing. You know, all we had, my mother always talks about their ketchup sandwiches. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, well, we, you know, we got an orange, my father always says, we got an orange for Christmas and we were thankful. Well, that's good. That's, that's good. <laughs> okay. I've got that one like every Christmas for 60 years, you know, you know, I, I, I hear you. I'm not making fun of it, I guess, you know. No one, no one has been born into a more raucous and lowly situation than Jesus Christ himself. Take a breath. Take a hallelujah. Realize nothing that you're going through could ever begin to match what he was born into and what he went through. Amen? I think that's important. Because you need to understand something. You're not going to disciple people that have been Christians in the church and gone to seminary for the last 50 years. If you're going to make disciples, you're going to make disciples that feel like they've been born in a barn. You're going to make disciples out of people who feel like they got no past, they got no present, and they feel like they got no future. They feel like they've got no hope. When you make disciples, they're going to use language sometimes that your lily white little church ears aren't used to. Somebody say amen. You know, 
if you're going to make disciples out of, out of people, if you're going to bring people to Christ and make a disciple, you need to understand, like that guy who did my life plan, they're going to tell you about things going on in your life, and you're not supposed to go, really? You just go, you know what? Just like my God is there to catch me and balance me through all of this, I'm here to catch you. And lead you and love you through all of this. Amen. Amen? But then look at verse 17. Go ahead, look at verse 17. Ain't that a weird verse? But isn't that kind of cool? There's 14 generations between Abraham and David. And then there's 14 generations between David and what they called the Babylonian captivity. And there's 14 generations between the Babylonian captivity and Jesus. In the middle of all that craziness, you think there might have been a plan? In the middle of all that sin, that depravity, all that stuff, you think God might have had a plan? Amen? In the middle of all your stuff, in the middle of all the junk you've had done to you or you've done or the craziness that surrounds you, You think there might be a plan? Huh? Isn't that cool? In the middle of it all. When things get crazy and the waves start to, to, to head up over your head and all the stuff that's happening and all the junk and it seems overwhelming, look down and read this little verse and go, ah. Even though I have no ability to handle or conquer any of this, my God has a plan. Are you with me? If I get excited, I know it's church and hot, but if I get excited, there's a plan. Then you get over verse 18. And this little virgin girl is pregnant. She's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. If you go a thousand years before that, the prophet Isaiah says what? One of these days, there's going to be a little virgin girl who's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And he is going to be your Savior. You see, it's impossible for a little virgin girl to get pregnant. Anybody with me? You see, there's no chemical human way for her to get pregnant. Look at verse 21. You shall bear a son. 
and his name will be called Jesus. And actually in the Greek, the word is Yeshua. Anybody know where that might come from? Joshua. One who led God's people through the river into what? The promised land. Huh? Are you with me? Oh, but I feel like it's impossible for me to go make a disciple out of a lost, hurting person. Let me remind you, it's impossible for a little virgin girl to be impregnated. But she was. Amen? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And it's sin that has and is destroying their lives. You see, the moral of my sermon today is this. All you're doing is you're taking this miraculous baby, the one who came to save his people, to people who have no hope. And let me throw this, and parenthetically throw this in there. You ain't their hope. Praise God. Because I'm a little bit weak. But you can take this Yahshua. You can take this Jesus. You can take this salvation to every person in your world. You can take this salvation to every person in this world. What if they don't believe? That's not my problem. It's my problem to know when and how to plant that gift in their lives. And then it's my problem to continue to love them even when they do stupid, ignorant things. Amen? Because is there anybody here that hasn't done stupid, ignorant things? Amen? But this is the whole point. We want to make discipleship into something that only PhDs in theology can do. We want to make some, uh, discipleship something that only perfect Christians can do. We want to make discipleship something that, well, you know, you you, you got to be really experienced. The best disciple makers I've ever met are brand new Christians because they're still excited about Jesus. Amen? Well, you know, you, you got it. You got it nothing. You got to realize that Jesus sat on the throne and says, look at that nut farm. I'm coming down off this throne And I'm going down through the heavens, and I'm going to clothe myself in flesh, and I'm going to take on all the junk they're taking on, and I'm going to conquer and overcome that junk for them, and then I'm going to die for them. Because you know what? I'm not going to sit up here and look down and go, 
I'm going to go down to the heart of the cancer. I'm going to go down to the heart of the sin. I'm going to go down where it's really where it really counts, where people's lives are being destroyed, where people's minds and hearts are being destroyed. And I'm going to go right there. And I'm going to do for them and be for them and teach them in ways they could never, ever, ever do for themselves. Christians, every one of us that names the name of Christ is supposed to be doing that. Everyone. Oh, but I'm too busy. Get unbusy. Well, I got stuff in my life. Let me help you with something. If you're waiting till all the stuff is out of your life before you do this, you're going to be sitting at judgment going, I was waiting for the stuff. And Jesus is going to say, did you ever read my book? Did you ever see the stuff I was dealing with while I was there? The stuff don't go away. The stuff is just part of this sinful world. Well, I'm waiting till I have a theology degree. What? No. You have to understand, just like Jesus, we need to get out of this church. We need to get off of our little white thrones. We need to stop looking down at people. And we need to be able, we need to say, listen, I'm going to take the same love and the same grace, and the same word, and the same salvation to the nut farm around me. You probably don't want to call them a nut farm. Just kind of got it in the back of your head. Could you imagine if everybody here this week prayed and said, God, just give me one person to tell about your love. Could you imagine if three or four of us actually were able to lead somebody to the love and grace of Jesus Christ? And then in a few weeks, we invite them here, just like we're going to have a baptism service after this service, and we baptize them, and we invite their nut farm family. And we tell that group about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And then they invite their family and friends. And they invite their family and friends. And they invite their family and friends. And we're able to tell more and more and more people about the love and grace. And we don't make it complex. They don't need to know the Roman road to be able to introduce somebody to Jesus. They just need to go out there and say, you want some hope? Come get Jesus. It ain't hard. It's not hard. And just like that little virgin girl getting pregnant, It ain't hard for you to do either. It's just that Satan 
has put this cloud and this wall in your mind and your heart and has made you think. And the longer it's there, the more of a problem it is. Please, I beg you, this week, go out of this place and say, I'm going to begin making disciples. It's not hard. You don't have to go through some complex plan or bring them to some complex church. Just tell them how much Jesus loves them. Tell them he's got a plan no matter how crazy their life may seem. And the bottom line is he's already done everything that's necessary. All they need to do is ask him into their lives. Amen? Amen? We're going to have a prayer time because I want to pray about this, guys. This is nothing short of spiritual warfare. The reason we don't introduce people to Jesus is because Satan's winning in our minds. We've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it for 50 years in the church. And the problem is we're not doing it. It's much easier to go out there to the church up the street and tell them they need to come to our church because we have better donuts in the morning. But folks, this is what you and I are supposed to be doing. It's not hard. The first time you do it, you will be on fire from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. But the first time you're able to lead somebody to the love and grace of Jesus Christ would be the greatest experience you've ever had in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Somebody needed to be anointed for Tammy's brother, I think, right? Well, somebody go get her. I guess. When she comes in, I'll anoint her. Let's stand. But I want you to take a moment. And I I want you to begin praying for your neighbors. I I want you to begin praying for those people in your life that God has brought into your life to bring his love to. I I want you to think about those neighbors and those people at work that are absolute kooks. Anybody else? Anybody got people at their work that are absolute kooks? Seriously. No, you're just like, let me help you with something. We need to be praying for them. There's a reason they're cuckoo. No, I'm serious. You know, they're hurting. They don't know any better. They they don't know how to get out of the mess they're in. You know? Folks, we're supposed to bring them hope. Is anybody with me? We're supposed to bring them hope. We're supposed to bring them love. We're supposed to bring them salvation. We're supposed to guide them to become the people they were created to be in the first place. That's what we call discipleship. And every Christian is supposed to be doing it. Not talking about it. Not even praying about it. Doing it. Amen? You Listen, if you don't want to hear about this, you need to go to another church. Because you're going to hear about this 
every Sunday for the next two years at least. Because I am going to train you. I am going to equip you. I am going to prepare you to go make disciples.